Hello, and welcome to God's Word for Today, a radio broadcast ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church in Egan, Minnesota. My name is Mikey Meester, and I am pastoral assistant at Living Word, and I have the pleasure of bringing God's Word to you today. Our text for today is Psalm 46, the entire chapter. And to save time, because I have a lot that I would like to share with you today, I would encourage you to open your Bibles to this page, if you are able, and to follow along. I am not going to read the text for you today, but I will be reading it throughout the message. Uh, And so I encourage you to follow along. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your holy and precious word that by it your Holy Spirit may work in our hearts and make us true saints who follow and love and trust in you. I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to us today, that he would open up our hearts, that we may cling to your word, for your word is truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a question for you today. Are you familiar with Murphy's Law. It's not really a law, it's more of a saying, and it's used to express the feeling of frustration at problems we encounter in the world, and it normally goes something like this. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong at the worst possible time. Well, I was doing a little bit of research on Murphy's Law, and I was on Wikipedia, and I found this statement in the Wikipedia article. The perceived perversity of the universe has long been a subject of comment. Now, I'd like you to pay close attention to that word, perversity. It comes from the same root as the word a pervert, which I'm sure brings many different thoughts to your mind. Something that is a freak of nature, something that is against God's good design, something that probably shouldn't even exist. And what this article is suggesting is that throughout history, people have recognized the perversity of the universe and have attempted to understand it by coming up with little phrases such as Murphy's Law. And we see this in our lives as well. We ask questions like, why would God let this happen to me? Or why do bad things happen to good people? Or why would a good God allow for evil to exist? And while our text today, it helps us to unpack the reality of Murphy's Law and to answer these questions. And it does this first by pointing out the obvious fact that we have a problem. Our universe has a problem. But then our text shows us that God is aware of our problem, and finally that he has a plan to solve our problem. But our text begins today by presenting us with the fact that we do have a problem. Verses 2 and 3 says, Though the earth gives way, Though the mountains move into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And now I'd like you to notice something today. Notice that in our text, it does not say if 
it says, though. These verses here are not stating something that might happen. It's not saying the earth might give way or the mountains might move into the heart of the city, but it is saying something that is happening. Our text is describing a sure thing. And it, what it is describing is what the Wikipedia article called the perversity of the universe. It is describing the fact that our world is falling apart. Now as we look at verses 2 and 3 today, we could take this quite literally. That our world, the physical world that we live in is falling apart. And this is very true. For example, let's look at hurricanes. Last month... In October, Hurricane Ian tore through Florida, killing 147 people. It was the deadliest hurricane to ever hit Florida since 1935. And Ian isn't alone. Uh, in a study of the past 40 years, it found that in 1979, only 15% of hurricanes were considered major. And a major hurricane is 111 miles per hour winds or higher. Well, in 2017, 40% of hurricanes were considered to be major. That is a 25% difference. It is now 25% more likely than it was in 1979 for a hurricane to be major and result in high risks of injury, death, and destruction. Not only that, we see wildfires are in the news all the time now. From 1972 to 2013, the length of wildfire season has increased by 20%. And the burnable areas of the world have doubled in that time. And in Minnesota, we are not safe from wildfires. Only last year, there was a 19,000-acre wildfire in Minnesota that forced the boundary waters to close for almost the entire season. And these are just two examples of how our world is physically falling apart. <laughs> and while our text certainly speaks to this, I'd like us also to think about the less physical ways that our world may be falling apart. I'd like you to notice some of the, the symbolism that we see in our text today. I would like you to notice the contrast between the mountains and the sea. Mountains, when you think of a mountain, what do you think of? I think of something tall, firm, strong, something deeply rooted in the ground. A mountain is not going anywhere. But now, think of the sea. Like something like the Marianas Trench, something deep, dark, something brooding, something deadly. When I was a little kid, I was afraid to swim in the lake. Now, the lake by my house is not like most lakes. <laughs> the lake by my house was dirty. There were often uh, warnings not to swim in it because of algae that could kill you, uh, which maybe I was right to be afraid of that lake. But I did not like going to the lake because I was afraid a giant fish was going to come up and eat me. I couldn't see through the water. So I didn't know what was there. We'll take this image of this dark and gross lake or ocean. 
where fish can come up and eat you and now add roaring and foaming waters. What we have is a symbol of evil and chaos. And so now we look at this picture and we have this great symbol of strength and security and it trembles. The mountains tremble at the roaring of the sea. And then the mountains collapse into the depths of the dark and roaring waters of evil and chaos. What the author of our text is describing here is when something happens to us that causes the stability and normalcy of our lives to be disrupted. Something that is horrible and unexpected and something that causes us to wonder if we will ever be able to survive. It is something that makes us say, it feels like my world is falling apart. And this plays out in many ways, an unexpected death in the family, when you or a loved one is diagnosed with a serious illness, perhaps when you get a large and unexpected bill in the mail and you wonder how you're going to pay it. We see this in the news a lot lately. We see it with inflation. In September 2020, the annual inflation rate in the U.S. was 1.4%. This September, it was 8.2%. And experts are predicting that we are going to go into a recession and that the inflation rate is going to go over 10%. And this is a problem for us because we cannot rely on the stock market or on bonds because the markets are down. And we begin to wonder how we are going to be able to afford the basic needs like food, shelter, and coming up very soon, heat. And then we have this war in Russia that's going on. It has been said recently that we have not experienced a nuclear threat like we are today since the Cuban Missile Crisis. One wrong move and we could be on our way to nuclear war. It is these situations that our author is talking about today that makes us think that everything is falling apart. And no matter how hard we try to fix it, we are never going to be able to fix it. We are promised that policy changes and new governments will solve our problems. We are told that if we only have more love and more tolerance, then everything will be good and we will be able to put our world back together again. But mankind has been trying to do this since the beginning of civilization, and things have only gotten worse. And so we see we really do have a problem. We have a big problem. Our world is falling apart, and there is nothing that we can do about it. But as our text today shows, God knows and is very aware of our problem. God knows the things that cause us trouble. He knows our evil and afflictions. In fact, God is more than just aware of our problem. He is in control of it. And now this doesn't necessarily mean that God is actively causing bad things to happen to you, but it does mean that nothing can happen without God's consent. Listen to verse 6 of our text today. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. Did you catch that? 
That in the midst of all the raging of the nations and the uncertainty and tottering back and forth of the world, God can merely speak and the entire earth will melt away. Now that sounds like someone who is in control of a situation. All God has to do is merely speak and the evil will stop. But that leads us to a question. If God has such control over all this evil and chaos, why doesn't he do something about it? Well, who said God wasn't doing anything about it? Look, at me, look with me at verses 8 and 10. 8 through 10. It says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Listen to those first words with me again. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. This word desolations gives us a very vivid picture. In this word, we see that God is not just getting rid of the evil on the earth. He is utterly wiping it out. And by the time he is done breaking and shattering and burning away all of the war, evil, and chaos from the earth, there will not be even a speck or a particle left it will not even exist in memory. There will be no need for Murphy's Law because all of the perversity of the world will be gone. And this, this is what God is doing about our problem. He has brought desolations to the evil of the earth and he will continue to do so until Christ returns. And this sounds great. And it is. God is utterly obliterating all evil from the earth. Except. Have you ever stopped to think that you and I are part of the problem? That we are a part of the sin? Have you ever considered that something you've done could have made someone else's world to fall apart? Or maybe that you are the cause of your own world falling apart? If this is true, then we are in trouble. Because God is in control of the problem. And he is bringing desolations to it. Which means that you and I are about to be desolated. But God is aware of that too. He is aware that we are part of the problem and that we deserve to be desolated. And he has a plan to solve that as well. And this isn't just some plan that he has things under control. I mean, this is a personal plan to solve this problem for us, for you. And do you know what's at the very center of God's plan to solve our problem? 
himself. Look at what verses 7 and 11 of our text tells us. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Our help, our protection, our strength in the midst of all the evil and chaos of the world and the desolations of God is God himself. God uses himself both as a weapon to fight for us and as a fortress to protect us. But we might ask ourselves, how does God do this? And the answer is very simply that he does this all through the life and death of his son, Jesus. Jesus is the weapon used against the evil and chaos of the world. Throughout his life, Jesus fought against evil and chaos by leading the perfect life free from sin and fighting the devil in every temptation. And he finally defeated them. In fact, he desolated them when he died on the cross, bearing the sins of all the world. And now you may be thinking, well, well, that's great. Jesus desolated evil and chaos on the cross. But how can I be sure? Well, the answer is quite simple. We can be sure because Jesus rose from the dead. We can be certain that Jesus desolated evil and chaos when he died because he conquered the most evil and chaotic thing that has ever existed, death. Nothing causes more chaos, more despair, and more pain in our lives than the death of a loved one or the prospect of our own death. And yet even death could not keep Jesus Because he desolated it. And we can trust Jesus' resurrection as objective, definitive proof that Jesus has desolated evil and chaos. But that is not all. If you remember, I said that Jesus is both a weapon and a fortress. You see, Jesus has not only fought for us, but he has also given us citizenship in his holy city. Look at what verses 4 and 5 say. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Here we have a beautiful picture of God's heavenly city, the new Jerusalem. And it is this city that Jesus now makes us citizens of. In the future, we will surely be physically part of the city, but for now, we are spiritual citizens. And as citizens of this great city, we receive all the benefits of it. Specifically, God is our fortress. But what does it mean to have God as our fortress? 
Well, first and foremost, it means that we no longer have to face God's desolation because of our sins. For when we were granted citizenship, when Jesus died, he wiped away our sins. So that we could enter God's holy city with a clean record. So while the battle rages on outside the city walls, we can be safe within. And it is this safety within the walls of God's city, which is the second benefit of having God as our fortress. For it means that no matter what comes, be it hurricanes, wildfires, sickness, or even death, nothing can harm us because we are citizens of God's holy city. We will experience discomfort while we are on this earth. But we can be 100% absolutely sure that Jesus has desolated evil. And because of this, nothing that happens can ever truly harm us. And so what should we do about this wonderful truth? Well, we should do exactly what God tells us to do. In verse 10, God simply says, be still. Stop striving. Stop working to try to solve your problem. There is no need to worry or fear Simply trust me, because I am God. I have fought for you, I have rescued you, and I will protect you. Be still and know that I am God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you protect us, and that you keep us safe from all of the evil and chaos of the world. I pray blessings on all our listeners today that they would have faith and trust in you that they may be citizens of your holy city. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.